This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? All right, welcome to episode four of your Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the downright bizarre aspects of life as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today, we are joined by Moral Bob from the Hidden in Plain Sight podcast. I first heard of Bob through the Deborah Gets Red Peeled podcast and have been a regular listener ever since to his content for quite some time now. Going back through his catalogue and listening to all kinds of content from Flat Earth, Raising Children, Homesteading, Current Events, and everything in between. This one topic Bob covers that we'll go through today has always intrigued me and has, for the most part, has always challenged me in life, anarchism. I knew once that I started to get to know Bob and that this was a conversation that I absolutely had to have. So let's welcome the not-so-humble podcaster and my mate, Moral Bob. Bob, welcome. What's going on, man? Thanks. That was a that was probably the best intro anybody's given me before. Uh, <laughs> try to, I'll try to live up to the hype. I'm sure you will, brother. <laughs> All right. So uh, today I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, and a lot sure. of the times these questions are going to be through the lens of devil's advocate, covering what sure. the average Joe response might be. Um, just thinking along the lines of what most people would have thoughts about this topic. But first, I need to get disclose a few things. In the last two years, and I think probably a lot of normal people have had absolutely lost all faith in the political system and politicians in general. For the longest time, I was a conservative voter and fell for the political scapegoat that anarchism was the worst thing that could befall a civilization. I always used, viewed that as chaos and a complete absence of order. And for a lack of a better word, after I woke up and I saw things very differently, I see myself in a state of political or worldview limbo. But what I do know after listening to you, Bob, and doing some of my own research and reflecting on what anarchy and anarchism actually is, it's not the absence of rules. It's actually the absence of a ruler. And politicians and the elites, the powers that be, want to be rulers and remain rulers and by any means necessary. They want us to fear anarchism. Yeah, well, I mean, just look at every portrayal of in movies, right? Like if the government falls, it's chaos and you know, the crime lords take over and, you know, it's like Gotham City, right? But how is that any different than what we have now? Like, that's, that's what I tell people. They're like, well, then the, you know, if we didn't have government, then, you know, the strongest would be the rulers. I'm like, and how is that not what we have? 
it's it's literally the Batman analogy, isn't it? You've got a rich billionaire philanthropist playboy who's abusing his power and wealth to be the hero. And then the Joker, who's the guy who just can't handle it anymore and wants to fight against the system, he's the bad guy somehow. Right. Yeah, it's it's you know, so they have they have glorified themselves through a lot of avenues to the point to where everybody's stuck in Stockholm syndrome and just kind of doesn't even like <laughs> I was talking to, I think it was my lawyers recently, because I'm in the middle of a custody case to try to get my son back. And I told them, I said, look, it's not okay to threaten me with violence if they can't show me that I've done anything worthy of violence. And they were like, well, they're not threatening you with the violence. And I said, how do you not understand that's where their power comes from? That's it. That's the only place it comes from is their ability to enforce violence on peaceful people. That's all that if it wasn't for that, they would have no power, period. And, and legal, legally take your things away if you don't pay your taxes or pay land tax or anything like that. Right. Well, it's, you know, I could go into it. The fact, that, <laughs> you know, at least the United States is a corporation. Um, it's a British owned British bank owned corporation. And we are all just assets of the corporation. That's all mm. we own. That's really intriguing. So I've got some questions later on that might tie into that really well. Can we start off with what's your definition of anarchism and like an abridged origin story of how you became to identify with anarchism and how it formed your identity and worldview? Okay. Um, so in, in anarchy, you basically, there's, you're, you're governed by natural law. And natural law is basically don't hurt people, don't take their shit. And if you do try to hurt somebody or take their stuff, you're going to suffer the consequences and you are going to be the one at fault because you initiated the negative force, right? So if you initiate the negative force, the other person can do anything up to kill you and they are justified because you still initiated it. Had you not initiated it, then, you know, you wouldn't be in this place dead with a bullet in your chest gasping for air, you know, like... I, I, I firmly think that um, in a free society, yeah, there's going to be a hiccup, right? There's going to be, if we were to just abolish government right now, shit would get a little, probably a little crazy for a little bit, but it would regulate regularly, relatively fast. So um, anarchy, it, it's a, there's an old saying, right? is you become a libertarian when you realize that violence is immoral and you become an anarchist when you realize there's no exceptions. So a lot of people put blinders on for government. And I think that's just how we end up with, I mean, God, you live in Australia. You see it firsthand. Some of the most tyrannical, insane shit is in this entire world. is happening on your doorstep. I mean, it's madness. And this is what happens when people like people don't understand the um, the attack on guns. You know, they're like, well, do you need an AR-15 with a 30, you know, round magazine? And it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> because eventually some shit like Australia is going to come knocking and I want to be able to defend myself against tyrants. Like, that's the reason for it. Um, and there's never been a time in history where they haven't come for the guns and not done horrible shit. You know, I think it was wounded knee here in America where 
you know, the good old American marshals went in and took all of their guns and then killed 260 people, 200 of which were women and children. You know, like, you know, it's just, and then, you know, being in Australia, they'll use, they'll use Australia here in America. They use Australia all the time. Well, they had one school shooting and they stopped it forever. And it was just like, mm, but did they like, like, if you look at the trajectory of crime and violence in Australia, it was already on a downward trajectory. And when they when they did the gun buyback, 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 voluntary buyback, yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> that that good old buyback system that they had, there was actually a spike in violence for a while. Statistically, I don't know if you could really see it in your everyday life. I mean, a spike on a graph could mean three extra ar- articles for you, you know, in the newspaper. <laughs> like a lot of them, you probably don't even know about, and they didn't talk about, but. Um, there was a spike mostly home invasions is what the spike was because people knew that they wouldn't come across a gun if they broke into people's house. Um, But then it regulated pretty quickly and, and just started on the same trajectory down as it was on already. And it's really interesting in that regard that when the the buyback happened, I can remember I was a kid riding my bike with my dad down the road and the local police officer pulled over and said, Oh, coming to collect your firearms. He's like, yep. And the majority of firearm owners in Australia, like we have registered weapons, but registrations recent there's only been a, like a recent thing in the last 50 years. So there's lots of ancestral firearms that were in safes that weren't registered that a lot of people could have kept, but they thought they were doing the right thing and handed them in. Yep. And the whole idea that big daddy government has to be there to save you, like you're referring to with how it's going to become Gotham City. It's almost like they planted in our minds that, we're the serfs, we're the lowly farmers that are outside this giant castle. If the castle wasn't there to protect us and the knights of old, that the barbarians would come and take over and destroy everything. And yeah. they just put a modern lens on that. Yeah, it's just a fear-based mind control, right? Like, it's just to get the people to be so scared. But, you know, there's that, that old saying, like, if you can't trust people with freedom, how can you trust them with power? Like, like, wait a minute, we can't self-govern, but a group of the people that can't self-govern are going to govern the people that can't self-govern. Like, are you listening to yourself? Like, a, like that, that just doesn't make sense. So, so to get the people to control these wild, insane people that can't, you know, take the, that are just violent shit-throwing monkeys without a governing body the group that's going to control them we're going to choose from that wild group that can't be controlled like <laughs> like what and uh, recently i've been talking to a lot of statists about stuff and i'm like can you they're like you know we need government we need police we need this i'm like okay can you can you show me a single thing that the government has solved or even made better one one thing one thing anything nothing like (laughs) nothing like i never get an answer because prohibition just creates black markets laws don't work laws only work on law-abiding people the people that are going to do bad shit are going to do bad shit no matter how many laws you write it doesn't matter it's it's a fallacy to think you know i I tell people all the time that the biggest you know they (laughs) 
they they'll say that I have a utopian fantasy of anarchy. And I said, the most utopian fantasy is that you can create a structure with infinite wealth and power and zero accountability and think it'll ever do anybody any good, but the people that employ it. (laughs) And it's how people keep falling for that same old narrative as well. It's like, I think America is in a unique space because of its history and its constitution where instead of a tiptoe to tyranny, you almost have a tiptoe to freedom. Like you have your, your, your Democrats and your Republicans, but you could quite easily step off those political views into a libertarian view. And then from a libertarian view, you can step into anarchism. Whereas Australia, we've only got two major parties, essentially. And in the last two years, seeing that there wasn't any fight back from our side or our team of the Conservatives, they didn't push back against it. They didn't protect our rights that are even in our constitution, it was seeing that it was both wings of the same bird and that the government was actively, especially a socialist government that we have at the moment, was actively eliminating what rights we do have in our constitution. And it was a big wake-up call for a lot of Australians. So we don't have that tiptoe. We're kind of getting thrust into it straight away, which could go one of two ways. It could be a big eye-opening experience for Australians or it could push us back into that little bubble and we have Stockholm syndrome worse than ever. Um, And it's almost like when we see politicians, they lie, they cheat, but we vote them in next time. Oh, we'll vote the next people and they will do a better this job. They'll do a better job. And we just keep participating in that system. If it was a relationship with a wife or a husband and they lied and cheated on you repeatedly, that'd be over pretty quickly. It's (laughs) almost like we're in a situation where, we give them the benefit of the doubt that they will do better. They'll, they, they'll, they'll meet, they'll do better than the last lot, but it's like a battered wives syndrome. We just keep going through that right. circle. Yeah. 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 The, the statists, the voters, the people that think that we need government, they are the battered wife in the battered wife syndrome that they are the ones that keep getting beaten and are going, but they love us. And, they said they would change this time. And like, <laughs> like that's the American people. It's so pathetic. Like I, I used to be like into the libertarian party, you know, and, and it was very short lived. I kind of came out of, you know, a political wasteland where I hated both sides and realized um, like, but I didn't know where I fit. Like I hadn't found the libertarian party yet. And it was, it was well past the Ron Paul movement. And I just thought I was, I just thought I was alone. Like, and, and I didn't really, I didn't like, I live in Austin, Texas. So um, you saw the Ron Paul revolution signs all over the place, but I didn't really pay attention to politics at the time. Like, I just didn't care. Um, It was past, like I paid attention to politics earlier before the Ron Paul movement. And then was just like, this is nonsense. I got to work. Um, and just quit play, paying attention to it. And then I started getting into politics again um, after um, the Obama kind of election. And then in 2015, I was listening to Joe Rogan and there was this dude named Dave Smith on. And I was just like, who is this guy? And he called himself an ANCAP, an, an anarcho-capitalist. And I was like, man, there's another person out there like me. Like, what the fuck? I thought I like... I just, I didn't know that there was this entire movement of ANCAPs and libertarians. So then I kind of got into that. But then I, you know, after a few years of doing that, 
I just realized libertarianism is nonsense because they are the people that are going, we just got to vote the right people in, you know, we can change the system from inside the system. It's like, you really think they're going to let you do that? Like, you really think, wait, are you just like junior tyrants? Like, that, so towards the end of my stay in the libertarian movement, I was just like, oh, you're just authoritarian light. <laughs> That's all. You're just less rules, less rulers, not no rulers. So you're all a bunch of bullshit. Um, and then uh, I got into an anarchist group and turns out none of them were anarchists. <laughs> and I got, I got kicked out for questioning the government. Um, but yeah, so like when I found kind of, when I started podcasting, that's when I found like true people that like, could intellectually be honest with the situation and, and just information in general. And that's when I found real anarchists, like people that were actually doing stuff, people that were living on the land, people that were not paying taxes, people that were, you know, actually trying to be just free people. Um, and that gave me a lot of hope. And that movement is growing. A lot of what they don't want you to know is that this is growing and it's growing fast. And to quote a possible shill, um ron paul nothing can stop an idea's uh what is it an idea nothing can stop an idea whose time has come that's what it is sorry butchered it a little bit but um and i think i think people are realizing that the system sucks there's nothing we can do about it it's getting worse if we just keep ignoring it and the only thing we can do is remove ourselves from the system that's it and so I think we're going to eventually hit this split. Now, whether it's some kind of sci-fi split where it's actually like timelines that split or just kind of a split in cultures where you'll have the city dwellers and you'll have like the, you know, the natural living kind of homesteading people. It's just going to split. We'll have a Logan's uh, Run society where there's a technologically advanced in their mega cities when the rest of us are living out off the land in the fringes of the, the wild yeah which is funny because you know in all of those kind kind of movies they they show the people that live outside of the cities as kind of heathens when in actuality that's you know if we had that scenario where people like us could just go live on land and nobody would bother us and we could just be like look y'all can have your cities we don't want any part of that it would be the most peaceful, serene, amazing places outside of cities. There would be no crime. There would be, you know, families and you know, self-sufficiency and real community. You know, it would be these amazing paradise type places. And it's, uh, in- it's interesting that they show like in Brave New World, it's very much the same that the, the people that live on the outside, they're like the old worlders, they're violent, they drink, they fight. Like that's the natural concepts of being human. We do have spurts of violence, as you said before. But always inevitably in those types of sci-fi futures, the advanced culture is always, always unmasked as being far worse than what they've been demonising the whole time. Right. Yeah. Every single time. Every single time. Because they have to tell us this stuff for whatever reason. But um but yeah, I mean, I would I would gladly go join an Amish community if I could keep my truck. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't know that they'd be okay with me keeping my truck. Just be like, is, come it, on. is there such a thing one... as Amish light then? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Well, there is actually. Is that Mennonites? Uh, I've got. <laughs> I don't know. I only hear creepy shit about Mennonites. They're like <laughs> sister fuckers. We we see um, images of them, and they just look like they wear a slightly different hat to Amish. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's uh, the difference is religiously. Yeah. Right. Like, I think the Mennonites like are almost incestual. Like like they keep their stuff so closely knit that it's there's got to be some overlap going on. <laughs> They'll be getting some Prussian jawlines very soon. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be weird. <laughs> but like, um, I got a buddy of mine who is going through a process and I may not wait for him to get done, but uh, at least in America, you can go through and you can sever all of your ties. Like I said earlier, the United States is a corporation and we have unknowingly tied ourselves to that corporation through paperwork basically for lack of a better word um and we didn't know what we were doing because the first one was the birth certificate and that's why like your your name will be in all capital letters on um government documents and that's because they are speaking of you as property because they created this fake this fake entity and then they're telling you that you are this fake entity and then you're just obeying and you're signing these documents and you know you're your footprints are on them if it's a birth certificate or whatever um and then you're owned essentially and so you have to go through and sever all of those documents you have to uh, make a declaration essentially that those documents are null and void and you remove your consent and then once you go through and remove all of that you get a passport instead of like a driver's license or something like we have here um you get a passport and the passport basically makes you a, uh, gives you diplomatic immunity. It says that you're an American national, you are not an American citizen, and the laws that govern the corporation America, because they changed the Constitution in 1879 um, to basically t- corporate corporatize America. So a lot of people don't know that the Constitution was changed in 1879, and that's when it officially became a corporation. Um, and that's why we are where we are is because basically it got founded by bankers families, uh, pre 1879, it was bankers families that had founded America. You know, George Washington was royalty. Like a lot of people don't know that George Washington was British, British royalty and a Navy dropout. Well, what happened was he tried, he was in the Navy and he wanted like uh, a higher rank and so he tried to this as the story that as i read it who knows what's real right um but he tried to buy his way into a higher rank and they denied him and so he said fine screw you it came to america oh and i'll start my own country with blackjack yeah. and hookers <laughs> <laughs> right. exactly so um so you know it's they, I think what they essentially did, because there were already people here, America wasn't this empty wasteland, you know, there was natives here, but I don't even think it was natives like Native Americans, like we're told they are. I think it was more along the lines of giants and, and the Moors. Um, maybe there were some native type people, some Polynesian people. I mean, they were, you know, seagoing people. So it wouldn't be a far stretch to think that some Polynesian people could have set sail and ended up, you know, on the West Coast somewhere. 
and and then populated that area and then you probably had the moors which were mostly kind of down south um and the, you can see a lot of it in louisiana still there's still descendants of the moors in louisiana um and so you had that and then you had you know a lot of redheaded giants kind of through the uh, appalachian mountains Really? And we're we're not allowed to know any of this stuff. Oh, they don't God teach no. any of this stuff. You know, they don't want you to know any of this stuff. Um, but yet, there's still breadcrumbs through there. So, um, so they so, came here and and decided to build up this corporation. And once it got big enough and got enough power by 1879, they were able to unite what nation was there and then they just turned it into a corporation and then the banks officially took over in 1913 when they created the federal reserve and then it was all bets were off they owned the land they owned the school system by 1879 they had already brought the prussian model in and made compulsory school and then in 1913 the uh the rockefellers and the rothschilds uh, took over the banking system so So i have a theory about the united states and how it came to be it's like everything could be manipulated. We don't know. It's all speculation at this point. doesn't matter how much research and evidence we have. Right. Yeah. But, We're getting our information but, from yeah. a corrupted source. But, but <laughs> I look at the United States as they had a plan. The plan got away from them. They were forced to leave it for a time. And directly after the United States declared independence, the British had to find somewhere else to go. And the US for the most part was set up as a colony for colonists, farmers to establish a new country, essentially. Australia was a very different experiment. We need to control these people the most way we can. And to do that, we have a penal colony. There's only one state in our country that was set up for just free colonists um, and they were religious zealots. That's why South Australia and Adelaide has the highest number of churches out of any capital city in the country. But for the most part, we were colonists and the colonists came here as the the jailers and the jailed so we've always had this it's almost like a a a cultural identity of we're very good rule followers because we're either descended from the people who were jailed or the jailers so we've got this very different perspective (laughs) to what americans have americans are very freedom-minded where we haven't had freedom since the start like we're in a very different worldview and to tie into that a little bit more i would like your view on and this is what a the average Joe would say in Australia, we have a semi-socialist healthcare system where the government pays the majority of it. We have Medicare. So if we go see our local doctor, we might have to pay, but we'll get a rebate of X amount of money back. What would you say to a average Joe? They said, but we need the government to take care of our health. They, they've run, they run the hospitals. They make sure that we get all the medical attention we need. Why would you want to take that away? Uh, Well, my response to that would be um, when they weren't doing that, what was healthcare like? Um, And the proof in America is kind of, um, you can look back in like the 40s and 50s, and even, even in the 1800s, doctors weren't these high end people, they were known Um, And they were important people, but they weren't these insanely wealthy people. And they saw it. The reason they weren't insanely healthy is because they truly wanted to help people. And so they they only earned what people could pay them. And so they saw a lot of people for free. And, you know, they would they would make house calls. And, you know, they were 
they were much more um, kind of in the realm of healthcare back then because they were community based though very community right they were very community based and they would also tell give you like home remedies it wasn't you know here's this drug that i get paid thirty thousand dollars a year to push uh to hide that symptom it was like oh you have this well you need to drink this you know concoction and you'll be fine or you know put you know, put onions on your feet or whatever, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of old natural ways of curing things and they used them back then. And so cost was really low. So doctors didn't have this, this high cost. And so it, things, and, and guess what? The population grew. Massively. So we Massively. weren't, we weren't in this position where we were so unhealthy that the population was going down. We haven't, that's, that's not a thing you know and now with with all of this stuff so so person that is asking me how they will take you know how they will deal with healthcare we have government regulation on healthcare now and we are the sickest we've ever been as humans we have more illness more cancer more um mental mental illness than ever you know they, autism is now one in seven. That is a 200, wait, what, what was I told? I think it's, it's even a higher 50, in it's a, it's a 50% increase in just the past three years. Yeah, I think it's one in five within Australian boys. One in five. Yes, autism. it's insane. When I was a kid, it was like one in a thousand. And and they weren't they weren't like the autist the levels of autism we see now. They they were the quirky person, the person that was really invested in one hobby, and they were right. um, they were that like person who was really into um, stenographies or whatever the the hobby was at the time. They were so invested in, it and they were the expert you go to for something. They weren't the socially right. outcast weirdo of today. No, it was like if you were socially awkward, you were basically labeled as autistic back then. <laughs> like, you just didn't. <laughs> If you didn't like groups of people and got anxious, you know, you were basically labeled autistic back then. Um, but yeah, it's one in seven, one in seven. We are the sickest we've ever been. So again, where's our return on investment? If government has to take care of it, why, what, where can you show me that they're doing the best job? And you know, Because it's only in the free markets that you see improvement. So where things aren't regulated, like LASIK eye surgery, it's vastly advanced and it's wildly cheaper than it was, you know? So now I bet like my the, bottom dollar, the response you would get from the person asking that question is they jump straight to the high strung emotional stuff. Women aren't dying course. during childbirth anymore. And you, we don't have polio and the vaccines and uh, they'd yeah, rattle off every single respond, string. Right, right. Which I again, I would, I would just hearken right back to uh, women. You think women were dying during pregnancy? You think that was like a major problem? And women die now. Women still die during pregnancy. So I, I'd actually say that women probably died at a lower rate when it was natural birth because of the stresses that we put on their bodies now, and the, like the the birthing situations that we have in the world now is atrocious it's not what's best for the mother of the baby it's what's best for the hospital and and their efficient you know doing of the task oh, that's it they just want to get in and out get it done and move yeah, to the next you're, one you're so they can number. make more money and yeah, the i just 
It's a business. They're just trying to rush that shit through. They don't want you to have a relaxing, stress-free thing. That's why they have to pump you with drugs. I've talked to women that have had 100% natural births, and they were like, dude, it was awesome. I didn't need any drugs. It was great. It was kind of a spiritual experience. Like, like it was amazing. I'd do it, all, I'd do it every day. I had one lady that was like, I'd do it every day. Like, it was fine. Well, they've uh, been doing it for hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years. So, yeah. The, yeah. The, and the, again, the, the population wasn't going down. down. No. And the, <laughs> the perception of it, it was a horrible time in history. You look at any period movie or film, I guarantee you there's a birth scene where a mother dies during childbirth. Guarantee it. Yeah. And that's just all indoctrination. That's oh, yeah. Just to yep. plant that stupid little seed in your head to make you think that we can't do this without them. You know, when here in America, there's what's called the Certificate of Need Act, right? And so if you want to open a doctor's office or a hospital here, you have to ask permission from the other doctor's offices and hospitals in the area. You have to ask your competition if they will allow you to exist. Like, how does that not, like, the regulation is hurting our access to health care. They're well, it's making like, it less accessible and more expensive. Like it's so stupid to think that the government is the reason. Like, like, like they are he- keeping us healthy. Like it's insane. It's true. And in, in the Australian context, is we have elective surgeries. Like I blew out my ACL in my knee, and that took me six months to get a surgery. Whereas if I had private health, I could have had it done within the week. Oh uh, yeah, you could have had it yeah. done that day if yeah. you had enough money. Yep. And, and that's why we America, have these massive waiting lists within Australia where people literally yeah. die on a waiting list. So it's not well, a that's health why, system that's here to help us. That's why people that want to be doctors, good Australian doctors, leave Australia. That's why good, you know, doctors in India, China, you name any country with socialized health care. If you're a good doctor, you leave. So y'all are left with the scraps because the good ones come here. Because you could come here and be a specialist and be a billionaire. Like, you know, you could be rich as fuck. And that's why, like, it's most of the people that graduate from medical school here end up going into some specialist um, thing because it's the only way to make money. Like here, the you, know, you can't just be, you know, you can be a regular doctor and make money, but you got to start, you know, playing with the pharmaceutical companies. And so, you know, like my, my son, my five-year-old's doctor, because none of my other kids have a doctor. We don't ever take them to the doctor because they're all healthy. It's stupid to think that you have, that's another thing that's programmed into you is that you have to constantly have a doctor check you up. It's the dumbest shit in the world. Like, do you feel good? Cool. And then you're fine. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if you don't feel good, then go somewhere and, and talk to somebody. But if you feel fine, why are you going to go somewhere? My 10-year-old hasn't been to a doctor in four years. Guess what? Totally fine. Totally fine. Hasn't been sick. Nothing. He's totally fine. <laughs> so, like, but, you know, my, my five-year-old's doctor, that dude is a shill. And he gets paid massive amounts of money to pay, to push drugs. And I schooled him during the pandemic stuff, dude. I just owned him to a point to where I got in touch with the CEO of the hospital that he worked with. And I schooled that guy and I'm just going, dude, you're a fucking medical professional and you don't know basic statistics. Like you don't know that you're the third leading cause of death in this country with mistakes. 
You that don't know. Blew that. my mind when I found that statistic out about America that malpractice is one of the biggest killers. Third, Unreal. third. It makes, Unreal. It makes the Unreal. freaking podium, dude. It gets a bronze medal. Yeah, it's not got, even like an honorable mention. <laughs> I, I instantly think of Biden talks about gun violence, but you know, doctors are killing people at a higher rate. Get rid of doctors, ban doctors. <laughs> they conservatively, they kill 500 people a day. A fucking day. And nobody cares. Everybody's like, COVID! It's like 20 people worldwide died of it today. Yeah. Like more people died in Chicago from gunshot wounds than they did of COVID. And that's what you're worried about? Like, to close on the medical. People don't choose to, you know, the biggest problem is people don't choose to educate themselves. Like, like you have to be hungry for information. And I just don't understand how people aren't. I think everyone gets that nudge though, Bob. Like if everyone gets to that point where they have to t- take that leap. And for some people, they step back away from the edge and that's the way it's always going to be. Some people may never get to that point. A lot of people probably will. Um, to close on that medical side of things, here's a little bit of insight into Australia at the moment and in my state. Our state's been, medical system's pretty well been run into the ground over the past 20 years with a, a left Labor government to the point where we've had what's called a code red with our ambulance service where there's not enough ambulances for phone calls. And they've called that eight times within the last month or so. We've had people who who are suffering heart attacks in a waiting bay at the hospital because there's no beds. Our system's literally collapsing and it's all paid for by government. Government officials. It's working. Yay. Yeah. All right. Let's let's do a quick little (laughs) word association. So I'll say a word. Just tell me what pops into your head. Government. Tyranny. Taxation. Violence. Police. Thugs. Education. <laughs> Corrupt. Laws. Unjust. Voting. Fallacy. Uh, mortgage. Slavery. And last one, pension. Theft. Nice. Yep. Pretty on board. Yep, I'm on board with you. <laughs> yeah, that was good, man. I like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, taxation is the the epitome of theft. And, and this thing I've always hated. Hate it since I was got my first paycheck. They deliberately show you on your paycheck how much money they took away from you. This is what how much you were paid until we took our little bit. Uh, the American government, without income tax, collects $125 million an hour in taxes. An hour. That's insane. That's we insane. Just, we just had the biggest news story in the last week on the two-week news cycle that Australia is losing trillions of dollars because of cashy jobs through tradies, which will do their work for cash so it's off the system and it's costing the, the country too much so they want to go to a digital currency so that that can't happen I'm like yeah it'll happen they'll just do it on paper or they'll do it on another outlet where they're not going to get directly taxed by the government it's just going to create a shadow economy yep yeah they're, they'll figure it out like prohibition just causes a black market i wish people would realize that i wish they would realize that if you outlaw something it just pushes it pushes it into the dark corners of the world like 
That's all it does. It just makes it scarier, makes it more dangerous, and it gives criminals power. Like, you're creating powerful criminals when you create prohibition. But sometimes... Like that's how the mob in America was created. Yeah. But... So the story goes. You know, they did prohibition on alcohol, and then we got a mob problem. But ironically, prohibition also came in because a lot of people were using high-octane alcohol for their cars prior to the prohibition right. too. Um, yeah. But you're, oh, you're right. It, it does create those dark little areas of the world, like the seedy underbellies where, things, where the, these people take over, but it also creates an opportunity where a, a better approach can be made. And right. like, like bartering systems have been have worked for the entirety of the human collective consciousness is that if you've got something you could offer someone else and they want it, that's going to work. You don't need a currency. You've never needed yeah, a well, currency. You don't need a middleman to micromanage that transaction. If, if, I, if somebody has something that I want, I'm going to figure out how to get it. Like, that's it. Like, it, without violence, I'm going to figure out how to get it. I'm going to go, okay, well, what do they need that I have? Like, what do I have that they want? And then we can make a trade. I mean, I... I trade with one of the parents. We homeschool a bunch of kids that aren't ours in addition to ours. And one of the parents, we trade raw milk for eggs because they have a raw milk guy that they get raw milk from every week. And I, they go through a lot of eggs because they eat kind of a, a vegan um, diet, but with eggs. So they eat a lot of eggs. And so I just trade them eggs for raw milk and what do you know? It works out brilliantly. We tried, we were going to go to um, a farmer's market tomorrow morning and we, we were all geared up, man. We were making all the stuff. We were making candied jalapenos and we were going to make bread this weekend. We we're making fire cider and kombucha and doing all of this stuff, gearing up. And then the people that put on the farmer's market send us this thing of uh, like rules that we have to abide by. And it was just insane. Like we have to get a a million dollar insurance policy to protect us against anybody that might get sick from our food. But then we also must have a egg selling license and certain licenses to sell certain things. Like, and it's, it, it was just insane. All of these things they wanted us to do. And I was just like, man, I don't mind getting insurance because that's just a smart thing to do though you could never prove that somebody got sick from something they ate from me if they ate anything else within six hours on either side of it like you can't (laughs) prove it was me um so but like i was like i don't mind getting financial responsibility because i'm a fucking adult and it'd be like 15 bucks a month and so what i just add it to my current insurance policy it wouldn't be a big deal i said but i'm not gonna get licensure i'm not gonna register anything i'm not and then like to the license the egg license particularly because we wanted to be an egg vendor at this farmer's market they didn't have an egg vendor and they were like once you get a license you have to keep your eggs at 45 degrees like in a cooler and you know label them and all of this stuff and i was like man that i do what i do to get away from all of that nonsense like (laughs) i don't do what i do to comply with the government like that's i am doing it to remove myself from the government so no and we had to unfortunately tell these very nice seemingly nice people who knows 
Um, but these seemingly nice people, like, yeah, hey, we were looking forward to it, but we can't join your farmer's market. It's not going to happen. Um, and it turns out that, uh, like, a lot of the a lot of the people at the farmer's market are, they're not anarchists. They aren't trying to remove themselves from the system, you know, and it, it just blows my mind how you could have all of these people that see that growing your own food is good because they could all be doing something and making way more money. So they're doing it for some kind of natural reason. Do you know what that is, Bob? Um, it's called the Instagram effect. It's the pe- couples that well, go on there and they build a $10,000 chicken coop and they get six bucks worth of eggs and then they have this big social media presence. That's all that is. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's really sad. You could still, apparently you can find some farmer's markets that are just like people that kind of gather in a parking lot or, you know, a little dirt patch on the side of a road. Um, and you can do that kind of stuff. But as far as the organized ones, because we tried to find another one and we found, you know, one other one and it had a bunch of stuff too, where it was just like, you have to, you have to obey all of these rules. I'm like, nope. There's I'm a big go. one that happened in our, our region where we had a, like a poultry trading little, little place once a month. It was a club and people would bring their chooks, their ducks in, turkeys, whatever you, and they'd have incubated eggs. You just go in and buy what you needed, right? Ever since a large battery farm was built in the area, the local government shut down the local small business trading one because of the threat of spread of bird flu, which has <laughs> never been there prior to this big big battery farm that's set up now. Right, of course. So these, these little legislations, these uh, registrations they force you to get to be part of the system, that's... Drive, ultimately going to drive people to anarchism because it is the epitome of freedom. You're doing mm-hmm. what you want. You're not having anyone putting their nose in your business and you're making your life worthwhile without anyone controlling or ruling over you. Yeah, I, I don't see why we we have to, like, and, and I don't think pe- people really understand, like, if you look at government in a really basic way, they're basically just telling you, you can't make your, you're not responsible enough to make your own decisions. Um, and to that, I say, fuck you. Um, you know, like I am responsible enough to make my own decisions, but then some of the statists will say, yeah, but there's, you know, what about the, the bad people that are out there? And I just say, just because there's bad people doesn't mean that I lose rights. I'm sorry. You don't get to violate my rights to justify anything. You know, and and it doesn't solve it anyway. So, no, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm done dealing with this shit. And I think we just need more people to stand up and just go, no, no, I'm not. And put their freaking their shit on the line. Like I'm willing to go to jail. Like I'll get out. Like it's fine. I'm not going to be in there forever. But I'm willing to go to jail for this shit to prove a point to show that I'm. Look, I, I'm not going to consent to this nonsense. Like, I'm not going to do it. You don't scare me. Like, you could kill me. I do not fear you anymore. Like, not anymore. I'm done. And we need people to realize that that's, you know, the fall of Rome was that way. You know, people just realized that the government was this boogeyman that claimed to be this powerful thing, but it wasn't. And so people just stopped complying 
people just said fuck you to rome and it fell and it didn't take very many to do it before everybody caught on and was like oh shit empires fall from within bob yeah everyone loved the roman empire when it was raping and sacking the world but when it was fat and lazy that's when the people rose up against them and you're kind of seeing that in the effect of the american experience at the moment for the longest time you've been the world superpower you've been all over the world putting american in american interests i'd say elite interests (laughs) in other yeah let's let's put that in quotation yeah elite interests uh in everyone else's business and now the rest of the world seeing that so you're going might you probably might might get a, a a generation or so of the barbarians at the gates and then it's the inevitable cycle of empires fall from within and that's i think that's happening in the west in general not just in in america yeah dude it's crazy um you know they're gonna they're gonna push to take away guns and i think it's gonna get really bad here um because there's going to be a lot of violence there's gonna be people that are gonna say no those Um, red flag laws man they're dangerous what's coming through for you yeah this stuff is not good the government who dictates who is a dangerous person air quotes mm. and if you well raise chickens you're a dangerous the, person if you threaten their power or their friend's power you know or their friend's money you're the bad guy um you know that and and you know a big part of my journey to um to anarchy was realizing that it's it's not just america the entire world is controlled by just oligarchs i mean at the very simplest i mean we i'm sure we could go down a lot of rabbit holes about who rules the world but at the very simplest it's ruled by a bunch of oligarchs that's it all of them they're all connected if you think china russia and america are all at odds you're fucking stupid like they, this is a game that they're all playing and they're playing you at for the fool and taking your money and you're just okay with it. Like it, it's insane that people keep falling for this stuff. And now was it, was it you that posted something about the super soldier in the Ukraine? Um, maybe not. There was someone no, that I, posted. I, I commented something. on it. It was very much universal soldier. That's what it sounds like yeah it's it's just like like god the world's a stage the world is a stage just doing all of this and everybody thinks this stuff's going on and it's like what you've said in the past it's almost like the elites are there playing a board game but it's almost like command and conquer they're all on their little pcs and like okay i'm gonna send my tank division in here so let's see what how they the world responds to it oh they didn't like that send in some more funds to the ukraine and see what happens yeah, I think the game board theory makes the most sense as to what we're living in. Um, I, I do have a theory that maybe this is um, this realm is a prison, um, and we're here for some reason. Like maybe we don't know why. Hold that you know, thought. We, we need that any... for another discussion, another yeah. time, because we could deep dive but, on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like like I wish people could just see that everything is controlled you know fdr said it when he said nothing in politics happens by accident it's all part of a well-orchestrated plan like it's and then people call it political theater just openly and then not even realize what they're saying oh well it's just the political theater and it's just like 
do you not even understand what you're saying? <laughs> let, let, let's run with that train of thought. You're saying what you'd wish people would do. I'm, I'm bringing it back to an Australian perspective again. Like we're a Commonwealth nation, so we're still under the yoke of the crown. And we always will be until we have an election that overturns that. Everyone um, is. Yeah. We're, like <laughs> I, I said, we're, we're dependent. We're descendants from convicts and their jailers. So we've got that built-in essence of being a rule follower. We don't even have a freedom of speech in our constitution. It's merely implied. We have rules and laws that are um, hate speech laws. So if the government defines your speech as hateful, you go to jail, um, which is getting tied into That's a lot so of that, and which is getting a lot of tied into a lot of that. Um, what's considered Nazi paraphernalia and speech and um, the woke agenda at the moment. So we have so many regulations and limitations in Australia. Like you said, we're living in the apocalypse that America could have been. We're the the backup plan, so to speak. It'd make Americans' heads roll if you spent 12 months living here, I tell you what. Do you have any advice for Aussies and how we can go about changing our system and the way we live in it? I mean, it takes a culture shift, right? Um, it takes a majority of the population to put their foot down and say, no, like, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Um, and maybe not even a majority. I mean... I think, you know, there's the old saying that it only took 3% of the population for America to have its revolution. Um, I don't know how true that is, uh, but depending on the population, 3% can be a heck of an army, especially 3% that's real motivated, um, you know, that are willing to die. Like, hmm, good luck. You think your little soldiers are willing to die for this shit? They're not. They're going to fold. How often do the soldiers fall in line with other people's views anyway? Yeah, the tyrants never fight as hard as the people fighting for their freedom. So it's just not, it's a battle that can't be won. It's like, you know, you can have three to one odds and I'm putting my money on the people that want freedom. (laughs) Every (laughs) Every time. time. Every time. So you know, all you really have to do is look at the size of any military or police force in an area and just have a size of group of people that large. And you could take a, take a city or a state or a country, you know, whatever. Um, and I don't even, again, I don't even think you need that many people, but um, I would say that, you know, for Australians, yeah, like, and, and this is just what I tell everybody. This isn't just for Australians. You're not free unless you're willing to die for it. Period. End of story. Just if you want to be a slave, just admit you're a slave and go on with your life. But if you want to be free, start realizing that you need to start acting free. And free people don't ask permission. People don't, free people don't enact violence, you know, against other people for no reason. You know, and and that's another fallacy that they'll sell us is that you know, that we are just violent by nature. And I don't think we are. I I think that has just been either bred into us and or indoctrinated into us. I don't think our natural state is to be violent. We have been turned into these violent, selfish, narcissistic creatures. You know, my mom used to tell me, say to me, you know, I think, I think most people are good. And for a while I was like, yeah, maybe. But as the world has gone on and I've seen the true underbelly of society and how terrible everyone is, 
I don't think that's true. I think most people suck. And I think most people are insanely selfish narcissists that will do anything to serve themselves. Um, so I, I think, and I think we have been turned into this, you know, ridiculous monster that we are. It's like the this pit bull analogy. Natural. It's like right. we've, we're domesticated. Yeah, we're domesticated. They've domesticated us as a civilization, and naturally we aren't violent. But if you poke and prod that dog enough in the ring, and you treat it poorly, yeah. repeatedly put it through trauma, it's going to lash out. And yeah, for the most part, a, I've done that to people. Yeah, I had a pit bull when I was a kid. That was the coolest freaking dog in the world, man. He was so laid back. He wouldn't harm a fly. Like this, this pit bull was so cool. God, and it, this is such a sad story. So any animal lovers, um, earmuffs. Uh, but this dude, like my my dad had this dog and he had it for a really long time. And then his parents bred golden retrievers, like, you know, with papers and like these very expensive, insane golden retrievers. Um, and they were going to give us one. But they told my dad he had to get rid of his pit bull first. And so my dad did it. Idiot. I'm a fucking dummy. I would have just told him no if I was him. Like, oh, okay, well, then I'm not getting rid of my pit bull. So fuck it. Well, my dad got rid of our pit bull, gave him back to the dude that we got him from. Well, the dude we got him from was one of the bad pit bull lovers. Luckily, we got this pit bull as a puppy and we gave him a good life while he had it. But uh, he ended up chaining up our dog in the backyard and he he flipped he snapped um he broke the chain jumped the fence killed three german shepherds next door got shot by a shotgun twice and still had to get put down um like he he fucking did not like going from his lavish life that he had at our house to being in a backyard on a chain he didn't like that shit at all um, and that had to have been an insane transition for him. So, so you know, the mental damage that was done to him, you know, in that time where he was taken from like we were as peaceful beings living natural lives and he was put on a chain, he was put in slavery and he had a bad reaction to it, which most people do. You know, if you take a free person and try to and throw them in a cage they're you know prison escapes happen a lot you know often they don't they people don't want you to realize how often they happen but people try to get out of jail a lot um because that's our natural state is to be free and in a prison still the number one punishment that they do to these supposed hardcore bad guys is isolation you know, so we're we're supposed to be free, living in you know self-selected groups of people and communities, and that's it. I think cities, we're not supposed to be in these huge no, huge cities. You know, do you know what no, Dunbar's number is? No, what's that? Dunbar's number is the number of people that you can be associated with and like no details of their lives, and that number ranges between 150 and 200 people. And that's why like old tribes were ever really much bigger than that. And that's because it was a close knit community. And then those tribes self-regulate also, you know, they're ten, they tend to not grow in population rapidly when you have a small close knit group of people. 
they grow slowly as kind of as needed and that's just what happens and generally when they get when they would get too big that's when they would break off and you know that's how another tribe would start is a group of them would go somewhere else well look at the the prison system that's the the system's way of trying to manage the worst people in society but at the same time we have people that are getting locked up for the most ridiculous things that shouldn't constitute crimes whereas if we had an anarchist system or that traditional way of the tribe if you had a pedophile on the tribe they wouldn't be lasting long would they or if you had a murderer they'd be dealt with by the tribe and it'd be over it wouldn't be someone locked up for three or five years to be released again and be a burden on society right well i was uh i was re-watching a movie with my kids recently um i was watching pirates of the caribbean the first one and there's a part where they they sail into this port and they have pirates hung up on nooses at the beginning of the port. And it says pirates beware, you know, saying like, look, these are some dead motherfuckers right here. And if you come in here trying to do some silly nonsense, you're going to be up here with them. And that's the kind of stuff that kept, you know, like I tell people all the time, how many news articles would you have to see out there of somebody doing some stupid stuff whether it was touching a kid or trying to steal somebody's car or whatever and that person got shot in the face how long before you think those numbers are going to drop to almost zero well we've seen it in recent history world war ii anyone that conspired with the nazis they were strung up in city gates and they had conspiracy or or traitor written on their shirts and even in the old west you had horse thieves that were strung up at towns so people knew if you're a horse thief you better back away and leave yeah, yeah. Like society's the, done it it's going to keep the happening. most highly armed places are the most peaceful so there's a there's a city in america called kennesaw georgia and in kennesaw georgia they had like a spike in violent crime in the 80s And they decided to enact a law that made it mandatory that every head of household has and carries a gun. Crime basically fell to nothing overnight. And they went, like, I think they had a stretch where it was like 12 years before they had another homicide. Like, that's really interesting. Let's tap into that. And it got really peaceful. Is you it, know, and then you look at places like, uh, what is it? Um, is it Sweden, Switzerland, where they have a similar law where every head of household has to own a gun and it's a neutral country because everybody is armed and people just don't go there to fuck around because everybody has a gun there. Let's tap into that train of thought. Is it the American Amendment, the right to bear arms, you think has a big bearing on on Americans' experience? Is it... Is the American experience that tied into freedom that more than any other Western nation, you have this natural drive for freedom? And is it that you kicked out the crown? Is it your constitution? What is it about the American experience that inevitably leads to an anarchistic view of the world? Um, I think, you know, I think the one thing that has helped it was um, the gun culture that we have here. You know, so we we have just a massive gun culture of people that like to, you know, look at, shoot, um, build, hunt with, you know, just a massive gun culture here. So 
that has has enabled us and, and you know i don't think it's because of the second amendment i think i mean i think the the constitution is trash from the word go so um i think it was just that you know we now whether it was something they did on purpose or by accident they bred this gun culture in to us with the western stuff with you know cowboys and indians and with cops and robbers and you know this has just been bred and then you know you have all the hunting here because hunting is huge here huge um that that has made it harder for the oligarchs to take as much power as they wanted because they realized the population is massively armed there's over 400 million guns in this country the ruler of japan when he was asked after world war ii why he didn't invade america he said there would be a gun behind every blade of grass like it's it's a complete fallacy to think that anybody is ever going to come to America looking for trouble. That's why they have to fabricate these things like 9-11 and Gulf of Tonkin. And, you know, like they have to cause false flags. Pearl Harbor. People don't even know that Pearl Harbor was a fucking created event. You know, Japan said, do not Im- put an embargo on our oil. We will see it as a as a war crime. And we will retaliate it retaliate if you you know if you put an embargo on our oil and hurt our citizens. Our citizens haven't done anything. Stop. Like knock it off. And if you do, that is an act against our citizens and we will retaliate. And they did it anyway. Because they wanted an excuse to go into the war. Ironically, Australia had a very similar experience. The Japanese made their way to New Guinea and we stopped them there and documents came out much later on that the density of firearms in Australia at the time was just as high and they knew with the size of Australia they wouldn't be able to get as far down as they needed to get to the southern states our gun culture was very similar to American culture until recently after Port Arthur my father tells me stories of when he was a 12 year old buying a 12 gauge shotgun and riding it down the street with it broken over the handlebars so he'd go rabbit shooting and people would wave and say hello to you did you get any rabbits today and right the biggest change if you saw someone walking down the street with a 12 gauge in australia now you'd be hit with a a swat team pretty quickly pretty quickly yeah fear Fear is fear is what has changed that's the only thing that's changed i have a sticker on my truck it says the only contagion is fear um because that's it, it nothing has changed you know people here are like oh my god the access to guns has got to change or or these school shootings are going to continue to happen it's like you could get you you know your drugs and your cigarettes and your liquor and a gun at the drugstore in the 50s and we didn't have this problem back then when you could literally get guns and ammo at the freaking local convenience store you know like (laughs) When I was in high school, all the rednecks carried their freaking hunting rifles in their trucks and kept their trucks unlocked. Most of them. Like, I loved it when I was in the parking lot. I loved it when I was in the States and I walked into a Walmart and saw the firearms section that had a, a limit of five pistols and five rifles per customer per day. And I thought, holy shit, that's amazing. And then I go home and I purchase a firearm and it takes six weeks to have a, a background check and for it to be signed off and all the I's and T's crossed and dotted it completely different experience now you know they they the the crazy gun nuts will tell you that you can just go in and buy a gun right now but that's not true 
like I, I bought my first AR-15 recently and I bought it legally because I tried the anarchist way and nobody would freaking buy me a gun. Um, I had anarchist friends in that anarchist, anarchist group I got kicked out of, I was telling <laughs> you about. Um, I had anarchist friends that refused to buy me a gun or gift me one of theirs. I had friends that had tons of guns, hundreds of guns. And I was like, can you just like gift me a gun? so I can have one that's not registered because I don't want to be in their system. And they were like, oh, you want me to, to you know, engage in a felony? I'm like, it's not a felony to gift someone a gun. It's actually legal in Texas, man. Like, know your laws. Jesus, you're an anarchist. What is your price? And that's, that's when I started to kind of get pissed off with the group is that they weren't acting like anarchists. And I was just like, you fucking LARPers. Like y'all ain't got any principles if you're not with so I, I long story short, I finally bought an AR fifteen. Went and I'm you know I haven't engaged in a lot of what you would call good citizen behavior over my life. <laughs> so um I haven't done anything violent, you know. I'm just, you know, just a regular old pothead that got busted doing stupid shit a few times a long time ago, you know, so it's still there. It's still on my record. And I had to wait a week. I went in, you know, put all the paperwork in and I waited a week and got my gun. Um, but I still had to wait. They didn't just give me my gun. You know? <laughs> like I had to wait, uh, which is crazy because I think if I would have bought a handgun, I could have got, I could have walked out with it. So the gun that Which really does is fa- the far most, more deadly. It, well, uh, there are, it's like, it's like 99% of gun violence in America is done with handguns. Because you're close uh, range, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> they make out these. So, so the number one firearm used in violent acts, I can just go in and get. <laughs> like, I can just go get one. Like I just flash an ID and they're just like, all right, cool. Boop, boop, boop. Here you go. <laughs> like, and I can walk out with one. But the thing that I would need to stop that dude from doing some bad shit takes me a week to get it. Nuts. How's this for a, a, a big difference in gun culture? There's a legislation which is currently getting pushed through our state parliament that any firearm that's military style in appearance is going to be banned. So similar to what happened in Canada. That rules out my pistol grip on my 12 gauge. It rules out my um, 6.5 Creedmoor hunting rifle because it's a Magpul black stock with a bipod and a scope. That's military, apparently. Um, absolutely nuts. Like they're literally trying to eliminate every firearm you can have. I, I think the, la- the last thing we'll have is a slug gun, an air rifle. Well, you know why? It. Because um, statistically, I think when Australia did their gun buyback, I may get this statistic wrong. So somebody, if I get it wrong, correct me um because i haven't looked into it for a really long time but i think they still only collected like 30 percent of the guns yeah yeah like it was still only 30 30 percent of people said okay you can have mine i think so there's a lot of people still... on fishing trips that lost them over the side you see bob so you know those accidents right. happen right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. lost that in a boating accident <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so um 
you know, for the people that think the Australian gun buyback worked, uh, that was used to be my number one thing. Like, well, they only got 30% of guns. So and, I don't think it worked. And every firearm that's been used in a crime has been an illegal one that's brought in from overseas. So, you know, it doesn't really yeah. work. Yeah. You know, like the guns, the gun stuff that's been happening here, these shootings that we've had, you look into it and the FBI knew about the guy and he somehow without a job had like $3,000 worth of guns and ammo and body armor. Like you start all the bells and whistles that a kid shouldn't be able to get with that kind of wage. Right. It's so insane. It's so insane. But wasn't the most recent, wasn't the most recent attempted shooting stopped by someone with a concealed carry? That's what I hear. No, without one. Without one, even better. He wasn't (laughs) Even better. He was carrying illegally, which is what makes it awesome. But again, I, I, anytime I see those stories, I'm just like, "Mm, it's there for a reason. reason. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I can't trust it. It's cool. That's a cool story from me as the guy that wants to be free, but the scared sheep are going, Oh, I, I still, I still don't think that anybody should have one. I, I, yeah, I know, but I still don't think anybody should have one. But what they don't tell you is this one story that has gotten global attention of this dude that apparently stopped somebody. They don't tell you that that happens at over 10 times the rate of the violence acts. So guns are used to defend life over 300,000 times a year, but you will never hear that on the news, ever. There's only 30,000 gun deaths, and you've got to take out 20,000 of those because they're suicides. And so there's only 10,000 left. And America has a really weird concept of what a mass shooting is. It's three casualties. So if I go in, if right. I go into some house and shoot two people and top myself, that's a mass shooting. Right, because a suicide counts as a counts as a death on the mass shooting. So you could kill two people and yourself and you're a mass shooter. Like what the fuck? Then you know, and that's why they get the mass shooting numbers up because mass shootings happen in Chicago every day. In the freaking bad areas of Chicago, it's happening every day. It's statistical change. They play around with numbers. Like how you said the numbers were going down. They had a small spike when our firearm buyback happened. Recently, yeah. our, our crime rate has skyrocketed in Victoria only because the Victorian government have labelled yelling as domestic violence. If you yell at a partner, that's domestic violence. So domestic violence right. has skyrocketed because you can't even have an argument anymore. Right. So they change and manipulate things. Well, all you need to increase crime is to increase policing, right? So, um, like, people will tell you that if cops suddenly don't have a job, that crime would go up. Well, statistically, that's just not true. Uh, But we have real-time experiments where this has happened. So I, I don't remember the year it happened, but... Um, there was a year where like it was a massive portion of the New York police department went on strike. It was a lot. It was this huge thing and crime went down. Like, cause the criminals like, are off the streets. Nothing, <laughs> nothing happened. Nothing happened. Everybody suspected that it was just going to be this insane spike in crime and bad shit and nothing happened everything stayed exactly the same and the only reason crime went down 
is because there weren't people out there giving people tickets for parking wrong or not using a blinker or you know whatever other stupid shit that was labeled a crime you know none of that stuff was being registered so of course statistically crime is going to go down but the city didn't fall apart no everything was fine and once again mass media has a big role to play in that every single film that you see about new york it looks like this dirty hellhole of criminals and street thugs but i was there and it was nothing like that right yeah i mean new york is supposed to be a pretty hopping city from what i've heard you know sure crime happens crime happens in any big city you know but it's not it's not a lack of um of government enforcement that causes that crime to be there i would say that it's a it is because government has taken a monopoly on the job of defending people that there is crime. Yeah, you how know, much jaywalking they, is considered a crime or an offense? Well, when you only <laughs> have one company doing something and they have a monopoly on that service and nobody else can do it, how are they, in, and you're forced to pay that company, how are they incentivized to provide you with a good product? Does, does it help in America that you've got so many different law jurisdictions? Like in Australia, we only have a state police and a federal police who predominantly work in airports, but you guys have sheriff's department, local police, highway patrol, all these separate departments. Is that a hindrance or, or does that help? I mean, I would think that any additional government bureaucracy is a hindrance. So um, yeah. This didn't work. Let's add five more copies of it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what, we've got the cities locked down, so let's go get on those highways where a lot of nothing is happening. Now the small towns. Yeah, every time my wife and I pass by somebody being pulled over, I just shake my head and I'm like, what would we do without those brave soldiers (laughs) of the street? Stopping that guy from doing five miles an hour over the speed limit or telling him, you know, you better give me $200 since you didn't use your blinker. You they should get hurt somebody. They should get back to tradition of that and just be on horses and have a British accent and go road tax. It's a road yep. tax. Yeah, it's so stupid, I, and everybody's just okay with it. Like, I, it's you know, if there was to be a government and if there was to be a government-funded police system, I think it should be like the fire department. You sit your stupid ass at the station until somebody something happens bad enough that you get called. Other than that, just stay over there, lift some weights, watch some movies, you know, because I'll pass by. There's a dude that does like crosswalk duty for the church that's down the street. And he's a cop for the local city that I live in. And he he weighs 300 pounds if he's an ounce. And I'm just like, that dude has more rights than me. Like, that's insane. <laughs> that's crazy that dude has more authority in the world than i do like what the fuck kind of backward system is this like i think if there is going to be a police force and if it was a private police force where there would be some kind of standard set that wasn't you know fat donut eating you know 85 iq scoring idiots you know it they would be like ex-military they'd be jacked you know, they would be well-trained and when a situation needed them, they would go take care of it. 
you know, if you did have somebody trying to rob a bank, that bank would call up, you know, whatever number for whatever security system that they're in. Cause and here we get to the part, but which I'll, I'll take a slight tangent or, you know, divert from this hypothetical scenario. Um, we have to start looking or speaking about voluntary solutions because people will go, well, you know, what's your solution? We just let the crime Lords take over. And it's like, look, if you start a bank and it's got gold in it. So like in a free market, banks would have to have their money backed by something. So bank robberies would come back theoretically, you know, because the banks would have to have a store of cash or a store of gold or a store of bonds for land, you know, they would, or deeds, you know, they would have to have whatever their currency is. And maybe it wouldn't even be on site, but for this situation, hypothetically, let's say that bank has a safe with all the stuff that gives their currency value stored on site. And so to protect them, like in order to get the money, you know, cause then, then that place has to buy insurance, right? Because you want to insure your property and whatever. Well, the insurance company could easily just say, Hey, well, we're not going to insure you unless you can prove that you have security for all of this stuff you know we got to make sure that you're you know doing what you should do as the responsible steward of these this investment um, and defend it and so it would be built into the insurance policy that they would have to have a security team and then that security team would just sit there and wait until somebody tried to rob the bank they get called on site or maybe they are on site already and they dispatch the people that do it and again how many times is that going to happen before people are like, all right, we're not robbing a bank. That's yeah. a little stupid. Jim Bob you know? got clipped last week. Let's not go there. It right. solves itself well, pretty and, quickly. And then you have to go to just incentive. So people that engage in crime see that um, cost benefit analysis um, that it is, they are going to get more benefit out of engaging in crime then it will cost them. Um, so they just do as anybody would do in every, we all do risk analysis of our lives every single day. And they just see that it's, you know, a lower risk to go commit some crime with a higher reward. And sometimes it is maybe, but in a free world where it wouldn't be that hard to start your own business or engage in trade. And we would have currency with higher values and property would be cheaper and like everything would be different so we can't base you know that kind of analysis on the system we have now because everything would be different so you know maybe we solve crime by just not having the risk of doing the crime be worth it because everybody's armed you know everybody's willing to stand up for their stuff Mm -hmm. and and then we just are naturally peaceful people i think i think we're as humans, we are naturally peaceful people, and we would just go about our lives. That's it. And if like the in- the incentive is like if someone's really down their luck and they're going to rob your shit to get you to get themselves somewhere in life, the downside to it in unarmed societies you might get you might get caught, you might spend time in prison, but then you've got a roof over your head, you've got food supplied for you. You don't have to worry while you're in prison for the most part. Right. It's when you get out. So if if the counter to that was hey this person in the house has a right to defend themselves and their property 
that's going to be a pretty big disincentive to taking someone's possessions. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they sell us all of these fallacies to make us think that the system that we have has to be in place and not even that it has to be in place, that this is as good as it can get. So I think we could have a system that, you know, maybe relatively looks like a governmental system that we have now that could work. I I think we could. Um, But it would just have to have so much regulation. And as Thomas Jefferson said, uh, freedom requires eternal vigilance. So it just, you have to regulate the government if you ever want it to stay limited, you know, I think it was also Thomas Jefferson that said freedom dies when it no longer lives in the hearts of men. Um, So we have to like, and that's another thing is that, you know, if, if I tell you that, you know, enough bank robbers get shot in the face, that'll stop. Right. Well, the same goes for tyrants, right? Like we string enough tyrants from lampposts, people that try to take advantage of their power and become tyrants you know, we string enough of them up on lampposts, nobody's going to want to be a tyrant anymore. And that problem is solved, at least for a while, until one pops up every occasionally, because somebody's, you know, just the same as, like I said, prisoners try to escape. You may know that you're in a freaking prison that you can't escape from, but somebody's going to eventually take a run for it. And the same is going to go tyranny. Somebody's eventually going to be like, all right, well, I'm going to give it a shot because I can get power. The system is ultimately broken. You look at politicians. In the past, our politicians would, they'd spend so many weeks at Parliament actively debating. The rest of the time, they're in their own communities and they were reading what was being proposed. They were pulling it apart. It wasn't quickly read this document before we step into session and then debate it. And their life is now. They, They leave high school or university, they go straight into politics and they're there for life. They get some of what are considered the highest wages, and they still walk out multimillionaires at the end through insider mm-hmm. trading, which is legal and for then, them. Yeah. And then they also have lifetime insurance, you know, Life- lifetime health care. Ours get a like, lifetime office pension. paid for. Yeah. Like nuts. They get all of this stuff. So, I mean, it's just insane. It's just like we've incentivized being tyrants to a point to where you're only, again, if you create this system where there's infinite, you know, possibilities as far as power and wealth with zero accountability, you're only going to get people that want to use that system to benefit themselves and the people they care about. Like, so you're only going to get corrupted people from the word go, you know, that's the logical fallacy of liberal libertarianism is that you'll never be able to get the right people in because the people that want the people that would do the job best don't want the job. No. Good people don't want to rule over other people. Like plain and simple. You're never going to get the right people in. I think Ron Paul was either a shill and he knew he was the shill or he was controlled up where they just let him stay in. So people could continue the mindset of, see, we just got to get the right people in. We got to get more Ron Paul's in there. That'll do it. We just need more Ron Paul's when there's not enough Ron Paul's in the world 
to correct a corrupted system that was he, created to be corrupt. And here's the problem. We all know politicians lie. Politicians have uh, something very, have a very big commonality with prostitution. They're both paid to lie, but at least we, at least people like it when the prostitute's fucking you. <laughs> we don't <laughs> like it when the government fucks you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, and the big difference there is you asked the prostitute. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And you can pick, <laughs> you can pick your prostitute. You don't get to really pick right. a politician, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the choice is more abundant. One of uh, those was something I asked for. The other one is also known as rape. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's a good place to finish it off on a laugh. <laughs> right, in, a few close, in a few closing words, what is the point of anarchism? To narrow it down as best um, you can. The point is to be what we're meant to be as humans. Like, to be free, to be united in a way that I don't think we can even imagine. Um, to live a more natural life, you know, because most people, and I've been saying it a lot lately, so I'm sorry if anybody's tired of it. Um, but when a new technology or something comes along or you know, a new government policy or whatever. We spend too much time saying, can we do it instead of should we do it? And I think we need to get back to a simpler life and not just advance because we can't, you know, we have to think, should we? Like, I don't think we were ever intended to be this advanced. Like, and I mean advanced, I mean, as much of this nonsense technology that we have, um, I don't think it's advanced at all. I think people that live a natural life on a homestead and off the grid are far more advanced than anybody living in a city could ever be. So, um, but I think, I think we just need to get back to living the lives we were meant to live. And I think as society, we will be happier, more peaceful, kinder, you know, and, and we'll get into this balance of just love and unity that could be crazy. You that's, that's the dream, mate. That is the dream. Uh, yeah. Would you like to plug anything? Any, is, where can people contact you and find, find you? I've got to point out the great little incentive you've started at the moment of just sitting back and chatting with just a bunch of blokes about bloke stuff. Absolutely yeah. loved your latest one talking with Ron from New England about cars. Awesome. I'm restoring a 1966 Ford Falcon. So I was salivating listening to that conversation. It was fantastic. What? Oh, dude, I love a Ford Falcon. Oh, that's a good year, man. It is. Lovely, yeah. lovely machine. Oh, dude, if, if, and if government didn't suck so bad, there are some really rad Australian cars I wish I could get my hands on. Vice versa with American, mate. We could just swap stuff. The grass is always greener on the other side, as they say. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Well, y'all got diesel engines we didn't get. You got designs we didn't get, you know. And so there's some really cool. You got a bunch of Cosworth stuff that we never got to see in America. Yeah. Even my 65 slash 66 Falcon is completely different body type to what yours was. Yeah. That's what I found interesting. I'm trying to go off manuals and videos for repair jobs and i'm like it's not even the same car it's slightly different uh-uh. no it's amazing completely different dude but uh dude we'll have you on uh, that's a that's a new thing that i'm doing and i i think we all need it absolutely you know, spend a lot of time doing this stuff and 
you know, going down rabbit holes or whatever. And I think we need more time just shooting the shit. So you can find my podcast hidden in plain sight on all your podcatchers. There's a bunch of fakes out there. They're trying to drown me out. Um, mine has kind of a little barcode thing on it. It's green and white. Uh, can't miss it. And you'll know it when you listen to it. <laughs> you'll know it as soon as you hit play, whether you came went to the right place or not. Um, but you can find me on Instagram uh, at the hidden pod. I think is the main one now and of course at spaces fake and gay if you want to come at me with anything really um we'll see how long you've been copying the global shills pretty hard lately too (laughs) oh man yeah and i think it's gonna i think it's gonna get me booted for sure but i'm trying to do it with less uh less insults so they don't have (laughs) a reason to to boot me but man it's really hard um but but yeah come at me there uh that's that's what i've got going on um starting i'm trying to do a bunch of stuff at home you know that's that's where my focus is and just in start enjoy life that's what my message to everybody just start and start living start enjoying life like do things that make you happy like i i quit my job sold my business like I'm at home most of the time now. I still do some stuff in that world, but like I've just take it, it's okay to take a step back. And he's out of the rat race, and he's noticeably more happy. Take note, people. Come on, that's your yeah, end goal. Yeah, Get out mark of that race. the tape, man. <laughs> listen to my podcast six months ago and listen to it now. <laughs> it's a completely different different attitude that I have. I don't have to go out into the world anymore. It's great. Well, thank you again, Bob. Been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for taking the time to have a chat with me about this. It's something that I've always wanted to delve into. Um, I'm Drew Missing from You're Missing the Point. You can find me on Podbean, iTunes, and Instagram under Missing the Point. Uh, and Bob and I have some movie-related stuff coming out soon, so keep your eyes and ears open for that once it drops, and we'll catch you all next time. <laughs>